0: Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody. This is our part two Topic Talk episode on South by Southwest. I am John, and I'm joined by our film festival fanatic, Michael Dixon.
1: What's up? Hey,
0: and he's going to continue telling us a little bit more about South by Southwest. We want to get a little bit more into the weeds here and talk about the different categories that South by covers, some of the movies he saw within those categories, um, and really just give him some time to to expand and open up, talk a bit more about those, those experiences and whether or not the things that we would want to check out, you would want to check out, I'd want to check out, who knows? Um, so Dixon, why don't you kick us off? Just give us a little grounding here. What's what's the South by categories that they really break down for film?
1: Yeah, so there are lots of different genre categories at South by. I think I mentioned in our last uh, episode that they're they focus more on comedy and and music documentaries than other festivals. So they have you know kind of more of those kind of things. But they break everything down into specific subcategories. Um, the first of which is headliners, which are Studio films that are premiering at South by that they're not eligible for any awards or anything, but like Dungeons and Dragons and Tetris and that kind of stuff. If they're showing like a Wes Anderson movie or uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent or everything everywhere at once, something like that, it's going to show at headliners. Those movies are showing at the Paramount with big crowds, lots of press, um, kind of a lot of a lot of to do about about those. I only saw one movie from that category, which was a an Asian comedy called Joyride that was, uh, was pretty funny. Uh, you, you guys must be new to town, right? New to town, but not new to the country. We just moved from California. Oh, uh, we just wondered uh, if, if you wouldn't mind if your your daughter played with our daughter? Audrey, say hi. You wanna play slide? hmm Slide's off limits to ching-chongs. <gasps> Fuck you. <laughs> Do you wanna be best friends? It's it's interesting watching a comedy at a festival because a lot of times you're with a crowd that has just decided that it's gonna be the funniest thing they've ever seen, like when they're walking into the movie. And so I liked it a lot, but there was a lot of um laughter from the crowd around stuff that I didn't think was funny, and then it was like I missed lines because people were laughing at stuff. And so I want to give it another shot later. Um I liked it, but I kind of don't know exactly how I felt about it. But it was a good movie, it's a really strong cast. Stephanie Shue is in it from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, Seth Rogen was a producer on it. I was actually trying to find a seat in the theater and I, I texted you, uh, I was like, oh, there's a seat here that's reserved for Seth Rogen. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I bet i I told you like he probably went and got high right before or was getting high or is always high. Who knows? Oh, just, I'm pretty just, sure yeah. he's just like made of pot at this point. Yeah.
1: I didn't see him in the bathroom or anything, but uh,
0: who, <laughs> who knows? If there's a cracked window, he's been there. <laughs> That's all we know. <laughs> um, um, but, yeah.
1: but yeah, so so that was good. You know, solid comedy. I'm interested to see. It. I'm sure it'll come out in theaters. Lionsgate has picked it up, so I'm I'm sure that'll be in theaters in the coming months. So I'll I'll try to see that again when it comes out and give it a shot. The, the crowd like absolutely loved it, and it was it was cool. Like it was a lot a, a, a big Asian population in the crowd, and it was cool to see them really get into it and and really love that movie and seeing themselves represented in that way. Um, it's a, it's a female comedy too. So like it's a, it's a raunchy female comedy, which, you know, I, I like that those are becoming more in vogue now. So that was, uh, it, it was, it was fun to, to watch that movie. The, the crowd really loved it. So I, I think that'll be one that'll do really well outside of the festival, especially since Stephanie Hsu has gotten so much acclaim, uh, from everything, everywhere, all at once.
0: Yeah. Just based on the trailer alone. Um, it's something that I can tell is a crowd pleaser, it's you yeah, know, there's good moments that it'll make you laugh in, and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm ready mm-hmm. to see it. Um,
1: it follows yeah. some similar beats that you would expect around like it's a group of friends in their 30s who go on a trip together, and it, you know, maybe they'll get in some fights and then they'll come back together and, and realize that they're how valuable their friendship is. And uh, you know, like it's it does kind of what you expect it to do, yeah. but it does it well. So, yeah,
0: oh, nice. Uh, well that's from the headliners. What, uh, what else we got?
1: So the only categories where South by actually gives awards are the narrative feature competition and the documentary feature competition. Um, small group, only eight films in each category. Um, is essentially, you know, Scripted and, and documentary films. Uh, so the narrative feature competition, I saw a couple of movies there that were both good. I watched the um, the the jury prize winner it was called Raging Grace. It was my second favorite movie that I, I saw at the festival after Aberrance, and it's a pretty fascinating story about this um, housekeeper in London who is trying to get her visa to stay there. She has immigrated from the Philippines. And she's a single mother with a daughter who's maybe around nine or 10 years old. And I don't I I have trouble telling how old kids are. But, you know, she hadn't hit puberty yet. (laughs) (laughs) OK, there you go. uh, They're uh, you know, she's kind of going from job to job, trying to make enough money to try to pay someone under the table to get her a legit visa to be in the country. And they don't really have a permanent place to stay and a lot of times she is staying at her customers homes that she's cleaning and not telling them that she has a daughter and you know like just like staying there when they're out of town and then cleaning up and leaving before they get there um and then she ends up kind of accidentally getting a job for uh this wealthy old man who lives in this massive estate and he's very sick and in a coma and his niece hires uh this woman joy to um be the, the full-time housekeeper and live in that place. Joy's daughter is named Grace. And so they're staying there. The woman does not know that Joy has a daughter. And so she's trying to kind of keep her hidden. The woman is uh, giving medicine to this old man every day and won't let Joy do it. And she's like, well, I can do it. Like I'm running the house. Like you don't have to do that all the time. She's like, no, no, only I do it. Only I do it. Then she has to go on a vacation. And she's like, okay, I guess I guess I'll let you do this and give him these meds while I'm out. Joy, uh, has a decent amount of experience giving people pills and realizes very quickly that she's poisoning this old man. Mm. And it gets kind of interesting from there. And there's a lot of, um, kind of misdirections in how the story plays out, but it's a fascinating film. It's uh, kind of horror adjacent, uh, but more drama than horror about, you know, kind of classism and racism in, uh, colonial societies and how we treat immigrants and, even people who seem to be uh, giving people a hand up to to try to help them usually have ulterior motives, and and maybe not uh, maybe you're not actually thinking with the interests of those people in mind. I don't really want to give anything away, but you know, you think, oh, this woman's poisoning this person. She must be she must be evil. And then like, oh, if Joy tries to solve the problem, what happens? There? What does that lead to? Does that create more problems than it solves? What, what kind of happens from there? So I thought it was a pretty fascinating story. Um, that kind of deals with, with a lot of these issues.
0: Wow. Yeah. It's one of those where you immediately think that that's like the, my brain goes to that. Like, would you kill baby Hitler moment? Yeah. <laughs> where I'm just like, <laughs> you're poisoning this man, but like, what has this man done? And yeah. all of these other kinds of questions.
1: Mm-hmm. He's um, this rich old man who, you know, old white British guy who lives in this huge mansion. Uh-huh. I bet he's not, I bet there's something up with him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. So, oh wow. That sounds fascinating. Raging grace. Raging right? grace. Yeah. Um. Well, what other, what other categories we got?
1: Yeah, so the other category where there's an award given is the Documentary Feature Competition. I saw the, the movie that won. That prize was a documentary called Angel Applicant. It wasn't my favorite documentary. I've kind of talked about some documentaries that I liked better, but Angel Applicant is a very personal documentary, which I think is another way that you can kind of subvert the general documentary form and do something a little bit different. Uh, the documentary is made by this guy who has this rare disease um, where his immune system is attacking his skin and his joints. Mm. And uh, it basically compares it to like, he feels like he's turning into a plastic doll. Like his immune system is attacking his skin and making it harden. Mm. And like his hands kind of turn into claws and he's not really able to use them the way that you or I can. And he has this like a severe version of this disease that's affecting his whole body. Apparently for most people that have it, it maybe only affects one part of the body, but his is affecting the entire body. So it's limiting his mobility in his, his legs and his face. Um, his digestive system is starting to harden. His lungs are losing their capacity to Mm. bring in oxygen and he's grappling with all this stuff and he's making the movie about himself and he, comes across this artist from uh, Europe who is, uh, his name is Paul Clay, and he was going through the exact same disease that this guy is in like the 1930s. And he was a musician and an artist who was a violin player and all these things and wasn't able to do that. In his younger days, he made these very intricate paintings that were very detailed. And then as his disease progressed, his paintings became uh, you know, kind of more broad strokes and he wasn't able to be as detailed, but he was able to convey a lot of emotion into his paintings that reflected the pain that he was going through as he was dealing with this disease. And the the guy making the movie was like, fuck, that's what I'm going through. Like, it's like, you know, this, it's like this guy made these paintings for me and he's, he's dealing with his own experience and you see him going to the doctor and getting these prognoses. Meanwhile, he's, you know, reading up on, On this guy and learning more about his his paintings and kind of using that as a form of therapy essentially um to kind of understand what he's dealing with um given that this guy went through pretty much the exact same thing that he did so um it's almost like a you know a lot of times disease documentaries are like oh really is that going to be a bummer am i just going to sit there and and have to be sad for the whole time and it's like, you know, yes, to to some degree. And like, I, I tend to not, that kind of thing doesn't bother me. But I know some people, you know, kind of don't like to sit through that kind of stuff. But it's kind of half that and half art history lesson, mm. um, which is is a really interesting combination of things. And it's cool to see, you know, kind of how he deals with his disease and how he uses that artist's work to kind of gain a new perspective on life. So
0: That's a really fascinating. Yeah, those. I prefer those kinds of documentaries where somebody finds. A connection they never knew existed to a different piece of time using art Mm -hmm. it's fascinating to hear about and that's the thing I dig for too when I listen to directors talk about films and filmmaking the inspirations that they draw from the things that really resonate listening to somebody like Scorsese talk about the movies he watched in the theater when he was a kid and how that influenced him or uh, you know anybody anybody else who kind of brings that up Tarantino working in a a video shop that kind of stuff Um, uh, yeah like it's Tangential to that, I, I've discovered there's this uh, a YouTube content um, or YouTube channel. It's not a content creator. I don't want to call it that because it's something way more to me um, that I discovered that is in line with that kind of exposure to um, diseases and disabilities and that kind of stuff called uh, Special Books, Special Kids. They have a really mm. low, it's not like low, low, but it's like hundreds of thousands of followers right now. And it's just this guy and his, uh, his partner who have dedicated the past eight years of their life—he used to be an um, educator—to going to somebody's house who is the family of or is a person who has disabilities and just talking to them for 30 minutes, like in a 30-minute interview where they solidly get to know them as a human being and actually expose you to their condition and ask them questions like, what do you want people out there to know? What do you want somebody to be aware of? And, uh, it, it's even gone so far as to have the, that guy, um, has declared like, I'm not going to do short form. I won't do TikTok because as an educator, I believe it doesn't do us any services in our attention span. And I don't think that it gives these people, these people like the exposure they need for you to know what they're dealing with. Yeah. Um, just that kind of integrity and that kind of heart. I'm like, I love that. Uh, I love that in a documentary. I love that in, in any kind of presentation I look for it cause it educates me really lets me know. Um, so that sounds fascinating.
1: Yeah, I, I think personal documentaries tend to be my favorite kinds of documentaries. It just, it's a lot. It, it's just kind of a radically different form of of filmmaking when it's just like a person kind of bearing their soul and and showing you their own life and their struggles and, um, you know, yeah, I, I this documentary was was really good. It wasn't my favorite documentary at the festival, but I really enjoyed it and definitely recommend. People check it out. It's called Angel Applicant.
0: Yeah. Sounds very similar to like Dick Johnson's Dead kind of thing. Yeah. Like that Uh sort of touch where you're really trying to explore that. Um,
1: Definitely. Definitely a lot of similarities there.
0: Uh, Cool. Well, what's what's next on the list?
1: Yeah. So I talked about there's the narrative feature competition and the documentary feature competition. And then there's narrative spotlight and documentary spotlight. And I'm not really sure. Like, you know, the narrative spotlight and documentary spotlight categories are pretty big. There's a lot of movies in there. They're not eligible for jury awards from South by Southwest. I don't really know how the festival determines whether you get put in the spotlight section or the features section. Um, It doesn't seem to really have anything to do with the quality of the film. The vast majority of movies in the spotlight section are premiering for the first time at South by not all of them, but a lot of them are. And so I'm not really sure how they make that distinction. Um, but, you know, that it is a different section than, than the feature competition. So we'll touch on that briefly. The narrative spotlight section, I saw one movie there that I really liked called Down Low. It's a gay comedy starring Zachary Quinto as a divorced father who is living by himself in this massive house and kind of trying to deal with his homosexuality and how to, uh, you know, kind of come to terms with that. Um, and he also has a, an inoperable brain tumor and is... Kind of trying to figure out how to live out the rest of his days with, you know, his family's pissed at him, obviously, because he's come out of the closet and he's left them. Um, this sounds very sad. It's not. It's a hilarious movie. Um, he The movie starts out with him inviting over a sex worker and um, ends up kind of getting along with this guy. But also he's kind of annoyed by him. And the sex worker discovers... Oh man, you've never you've never been with a man before. I'm your first one. Oh wow, this is wild. And he's like, oh, you got to get on grinder. You got to do all this stuff. Here's what you got to do. He doesn't know that Zachary Quinto has a terminal illness, and so he's like, oh yeah, we got to get you set up here. Do all these things. They invite over. They get on grinder. Find some guy in the neighborhood who wants to suck dick and get him over to the house. (laughs) And. Uh, some crazy circumstances occur and this guy falls out of the window and dies. Oh, no. Okay. And the, the movie is Zachary Quinto and this sex worker trying to figure out how to dispose of this body. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wow. <well. laughs> um, so, you know, there's a lot going on here, but it's it's a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's just like, a you know, raunchy comedy that is just really going for it 100% the whole time. And I, I thought it was pretty great. Zachary Quinto is solid... In it, um, a lot of the side characters ho- are hilarious. The reason that I I went to see it is because Simon Rex is in it, and oh, he well, shows okay. up later in the film as this absurd character that kind of offers to take the dead body off of their hands, and may have uh, strange reasons for why he wants this dead body. <laughs> um, so it's it's a really good time. Um, it's just a, a really fast-paced, like com- my, my favorite comedy that I saw at the festival for sure and i don't know what the plan is for distribution but i feel like it would get uh you know it would be something that audiences would like so i'm hoping that you know somebody picks it up and that it gets uh, some distribution but also love that simon rex is getting more work now Yeah, after uh red rocket which was one of my favorite movies of 2021 so um love that he's he's getting more work out there
0: it's glad to, i'm glad to hear he's back uh
1: yeah Definitely. Um, and the guy who plays the sex worker in in the movie was really great. His name is Lucas Gage. I had never seen him before, but, um, he's incredibly charismatic and really carries a lot of the film. He's kind of the eccentric to Zachary Quinto's straight man. And he was really great in the movie. So, um, I think he could, you know, be kind of a a star in the making. It'll be interesting to see what happens with his career. Okay. Uh, what
0: do we got next?
1: Yeah. So the documentary spotlight, that was actually the category that I saw the most things in. just randomly, I wasn't actually trying to, you know, focus in any certain area, but I ended up seeing six documentary spotlight movies. I already talked about last stop Laramo, which was my favorite documentary that I saw. Um, so, uh, and we, and we both saw a disturbance in the force. Yep. So I won't spend too much time here, but you know, kind of, there's just like a lot of documentaries across the board that deal with lots of, of different subject matters and different things. And, you know, some of these are going to be your more standard kind of documentary, like a serpents in the force was, and some of them are going to be really great. Uh, you know, so it just, it just kind of depends.
0: Yeah. I gotcha.
1: Um, from there, the next section is called midnighters, which, uh, we touched on uh, in the last episode. *Aberrance* was my favorite film of the festival. That was the only midnighters film that I saw. Uh, then the next one is called Visions, and that feels like a catch-all almost for just kind of weird movies that the festival doesn't. They didn't want to write miscellaneous to into. Yeah, the description on the South by South website, South by South website, wow, South yeah. by Southwest website is: uh, Visions filmmakers are audacious, risk-taking artists in the new cinema landscape who defy traditional categorization in documentary and narrative filmmaking. Um, So there are films there and there that have kind of a sci-fi, uh, edge or like a spiritual aspect, or there are uh, some documentaries in it that are just kind of about odd subjects. Um, you know, Mm. it feels like, oh, this movie is weird. We don't really know what to do with it. We're going to throw it in visions. Um, so you don't really necessarily know what you're getting there. My favorite movie that I saw in that section was called Chronicles of a Wandering Saint, which is about some old church ladies who are kind of competing to be the most pious person in their (laughs) community. (laughs) which I immediately identified with. And uh, the lead character is very into um, like, she thinks she's going to be the most righteous person by like just cleaning the church floors all the time. And she's always in there scrubbing the floors and the other old church ladies kind of think they're better than her. And they are like in the choir and, you know, running bake sales and and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, kind of like don't appreciate the, the work that she is doing. Um, she happens to stumble across a statue of, a, a saint, um, that has been stolen from the church 30 years prior and she finds it in a back room in the church when she's cleaning and it's just like under a bed sheet. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, and so she has this plan to uh, like, uh, bring it to her property and like display it as this miracle that it like just appeared out of nowhere. And she's trying to kind of stage this whole thing and and make it out to be that, you know, she's this wonderful person. She tells the priest about it and he's like in on the con with her oh, to yeah. try to bring notoriety to the parish and, and all this. And um, she's going about this this scheme. and uh, in the process of doing this and transporting the statue around, she's driving down a dirt road sees a dog in the road, turns to avoid it, and drives straight into a creek and dies. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> then the credits roll, actually, which I thought was kind of a funny bit. And uh, the movie is not over at that point. It just keeps going. And uh, the main character has now died. And is going through the bureaucratic process of ascending to heaven. And Mm. she meets all these people in the town that are like, actually, I've been an angel this whole time. And (laughs) here's what you need to do now. Here's the the paperwork you need to fill out in order to like apply to get into heaven. Like what pack, what afterlife package would you like? Here's the benefits of them. Here's what they cost, all these things. And it kind of turns into a comedy, but it's still kind of, it's still spiritual and kind of focused around this woman dealing with the end of her life and her legacy and and kind of what she wants to leave behind. So it's almost a, um, like it's a thoughtful spiritual drama and a comedy at the same time, kind of meshed together in a way that, Mostly works. There are parts of it where I wish it had leaned into the comedy side a little bit more, but for the most part, I liked it a lot. I thought it was a pretty interesting movie.
0: It sounds fascinating. Yeah. It sounds like a really cool, uh, kind of funny comedy, but also, yeah, I could see it having meditations. It's kind of that thing is like a good comedy really has some sort of reflection on what you're doing and oh, what, yeah, you're, for sure. what life is about. Uh, it's not just like the Hangover. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, well. Awesome. What's, uh, what's another hit me, hit me with something else. What do you got?
1: Cool. So, uh, the next category is called 24 beats per second, and that is basically music documentaries. And so South by shows a lot of those, there's a lot of cool stuff there. Um, I already talked about revival 69. That was my favorite one. I also saw a Joan Baez documentary. It was fine. I don't know that it's really worth talking about. The next category is called global, which is basically just world cinema from outside the U S um, I only watched one movie from that section. That was Kitazoa from Haiti. And we talked about that in the last episode. But highly, highly recommend. Mm -hmm. People check that out. Uh, Then there's a category called Festival Favorites, which is movies that have premiered at other festivals that are then showing again at South By. And I saw one movie in that category. It's called Fremont. Uh, It's a black and white film, which I always think is interesting when modern films are shot in black and white. And it's about an Afghani immigrant who works at a fortune cookie factory. Okay. Um, which I read that premise. I was like, yes, I to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she works at a fortune cookie factory and she's kind of trying to just figure her shit out and and figure it out. it's in Fremont, California. The movie's called Fremont. She's kind of trying to figure out how to exist in American society after having left Afghanistan due to... The problems caused by America that have have brought her here and she's working at a fortune cookie factory and and she starts out as somebody who like, you know, bakes and forms the cookies and then she gets uh, a promotion to the person who writes the fortunes. Oh, and so, you know, it's like kind of um, talking about a complex issue um, through the lens of like a one sentence fortune. Yeah. yeah. Which, which I think is an interesting idea. Um, didn't love the movie. I didn't think it capitalized on the fortune cookie premise to the degree that I would have liked to see, but I definitely enjoyed it and, and think it's worth checking out.
0: Hmm interesting well, was it was, was it a short or did it uh, no it's like a feature a, film uh yeah. no i mean like in terms of time runtime was it a short oh, runtime it, pr-
1: it was probably like 90 minutes okay decent yeah. uh,
0: it doesn't sound like it dragged on though like i feel like you would have no that. no okay yeah cool uh what, um, and up? it
1: expands from there but uh, yeah it's kind of that that's the basic premise but hmm. um the next category is is shorts um so there were 67 short films at the festival there's the narrative there's three narrative short programs There's a documentary shorts program, a midnight shorts program, a Texas shorts program and animated shorts. Mm -hmm. And I saw the animated shorts. I always really enjoy animated shorts and i like seeking those out at a festival when I go, because I just feel like it's a very experimental process for animators to try new things and to, um, animate in fascinating ways that are different than what you see in your standard Pixar DreamWorks film, um, narrative shorts I I typically don't seek out narrative or documentary shorts because I would just rather watch a feature film typically Mm. um with an idea that's more fleshed out than a kind of a short version but I feel like that works to the benefit of animation rather and it kind of works to the detriment of more standard storytelling so I I like to seek out the animated shorts there's one that was written and drawn entirely in pencil which Mm. was really cool there was one where um like a there's a just a piece of paper and all of a sudden a human-shaped figure starts breaking out of the piece of paper and trying to escape. It's like stop-motion and it's a lot of really cool stuff. Um, my favorite short was called Sandwich Cat and it is is—it's uh, about this guy who has a pet cat and he wakes up one morning and the cat has a sandwich over its face like a fucking YouTube video or something and the cat says uh, he starts talking to him he says hey I'm an alien and I have embodied your cat. And I am here to examine your species and determine whether we're going to exterminate you or not. Mm. And so you have 24 hours to convince me that humans are not terrible, and uh, you know otherwise I'm going to kill all of you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's a really interesting story that um, you can tell. the The filmmaker is kind of focusing on his own life in the way that he has has set the movie up, but it's it's pretty fascinating, and uh, I, I really dug it. It's not a super innovative animation style but it looks great and uh i i liked it a lot they also showed in one of the oscar nominated animated shorts called ice merchants which i thought was kind of odd that they showed it south by because it was a 2022 short and it already got nominated for an oscar um but it's really good it's much better than the the short that won the oscar like the boy the Mole the horse and the fuck idol, like that movie was not good. <laughs> oh. um But Ice Merchants is actually really good, so I was I was glad to see it again. It, it was fun to see it. Talk so. about the
0: the boy, the horse, and the fox, or something like that. I yeah, it's like the boy, the some b- animal, the mole,
1: the hawk, the fox, and the horse, or something. Yeah, it's <laughs> okay. not good. It's a J.J. Abrams project.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really kind of fascinating. It's actually, uh, interesting that you, uh, talk about seeing the animated shorts and wanting to see that. I love animated shorts. Obviously those are great times for, um, creators to really cut loose and try their own hand at things. I think that some of the narrative shorts, like I'm getting way more into narrative shorts recently. I find oh, yeah? I'm really fascinated to see more of like, there was a uh, there's a they local They can be really great. They can be. It's it's kind of one of those things where like there's lower risk um yeah, for p- sure. potentially like higher rewards you can get from something that would be in a short versus something that was a short turned into like a feature length film. That's kind of like the the one thing that I'm unsure of in my film experience is when yeah. the shorts become a film, a feature length film, like that transition because I know um I'm not sure if you've seen Cashback, but Cashback used to be a short no, film. I haven't. Um and and the feature length one has some interesting things it builds on and then everything else is really questionable and kind of like, it just hasn't aged well for me. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty fascinated to go and see some of those. Um, especially with me going to some of the more hyper, the hyper real film club stuff here in town where they show short films beforehand, I'm getting more exposure to it and finding that there's a lot of like experimental play that I like in short films that I wouldn't like probably in feature length. So still figuring out my relationship with it, but Hey man, maybe the next film festival, we tag team it and you go to the animation and I go to the live and we see, we swap yeah. notes or something like that. Yeah, that'd that'd be, be fun. Cool. Uh,
1: uh, if I can ever get you to go to a festival, I me. will
0: go to the next, <laughs> I swear I'll do it.
1: <laughs> and I do, I like short films. It usually the, the only short films that I watch during the year, I always watch all the Oscar nominated shorts and they do those short programs where you can go to your local independent theater and just sit down and watch all of the Oscar nominated live action shorts or the documentary shorts or the animated shorts. Mm. And I always do that and have a good time with it. But I always come away having a lot more fun with the animated shorts than I do with the other kinds. And occasionally there's stuff that I really like in the live action or the documentary shorts, but it's like one or two that like, oh, that was really good. But the animated ones, I'm just like consistently impressed by and so I, I tend to like those more, but, um, w- with festivals, I always try to seek out animated if I can, but I don't necessarily try to seek out the other forms of shorts just basically because of my experience with the Oscar nominated shorts. And every year I go see those programs and I always fucking love the animated ones. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, there were some good ones and bad ones in the live action and, and the documentary.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, Obviously, like I'm really enthusiastic now to just get into any kinds of shorts because uh, I feel like that's I'm more been of a lacking in guy. my day. Yeah, 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 we know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about cargo lately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I'm always fascinated by the ability for um, uh, like a short film to cut through certain like barriers that feature length films have to build up to. I'm, I'm kind right. of interested in that game of like, how do you make that swell, that same emotional impact that when you have way less time to do something like that. Um, mm. I watched one recently uh, from a local filmmaker in Austin called Birds mm. that is um, I can only describe it as kind of just like one of those hangouts, those like slow down and really like think about life sort of things. It's like 15 minutes long.
1: Is it a sequel to uh, Alfred Hitchcock's it, The Birds? No,
0: there's there's already a movie for that <laughs> called The Birds 2 that wasn't directed by Hitchcock. but <laughs> or, or Birdemic. Or Birdemic, yes, uh, which they need to stop making those. There are three of them now and oh, they're all terrible. <laughs> I watched
1: the first one and loved it.
0: Well, um, you've but... seen the second and the third one because you've seen the first one. They're oh, all the exact same.
1: That makes sense
0: yeah um oh, but just
1: like y- windows 95 graphic birds yep. just e- yeah exactly
0: mm-hmm. uh but yeah the the local filmmakers birds is nothing like that where it's just about like Kids, uh, like high school kids during summer, having a good time in Austin, there's like Barton Creek uh, or Barton Springs kind of stuff. And oh, there's cool. some other sequences of just like outdoor play, but all the, all, all the while there's like technology in the middle of it and it's kind of intertwined. It doesn't feel like old man yells at clouds kind of technology, yeah. but they're like, these damn kids are always on their phones. It's it feels a lot more realistic than cynical or, you know, that kind of, it was refreshing to see it. And I was like, that made me think a lot more about being in Austin. And I was like, wow, yeah. this short film had an impact on me just now. That's so cool. It was cool.
1: Uh, I always enjoy movies that are set here. And, you know, I guess that's just like the Austin romantic in me that like, I'm just think it's cool to see this city in movies. Like um, Terrence Malick made that movie song to song a few mm-hmm. years ago. It's not great, but it's set in Austin and I was, it's basically just like Austin porn. Like they go to all these famous Austin spots and have these scenes with, you know, rich people falling in and out of love. They're like, I don't care about any of these characters, but it's just shot so beautifully and it's in all of these iconic places in town. I'm like, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I saw it at Violet Crown and there's a scene that takes place at Violet Crown. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's like, like right up there. I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. There's something about that, like cultural pride, uh, of just like really yeah. enjoying that recognition. And I enjoy seeing it from other you know, cities and States too. Like oh, sure, yeah. hey, any listeners out there, if you have a short film where you shot in your hometown, you're really trying to capture that essence, send it our way. Like, I'm really fascinated to see that and learn more oh, yeah. about, uh, uh, other locations and kind of like your vibe, what you're trying to capture. It's great. Um, yeah,
1: well, for
0: sure. we've, we've taken a little, uh, uh you know, tangent here, but, uh, let's get back on track. We got anything else to discuss here? Yeah. So
1: of- there's some other categories that I didn't see anything in that are, are kind of like not really film categories, but there's a music videos, uh, section. That's just like, there's one music video program that I didn't see, but I thought that was kind of cool. You can just go to a, a feature that's just a shitload of music videos on yeah. in a row. Like that sounds interesting. Like, you know, um, innovative different approaches on music videos. I kind of wish I had, I had seen that. Um, then they have an XR experience section, which is like, uh, I had to look that up. Is that a it's mixed reality? Extended reality, reality oh. which is like VR, augmented reality, different stuff like that. And it's just like a, a room at the convention center that you can go to. It's just like showing all the time. You just like get in line and like put a headset on and experience nice. these different things. Um, I didn't check that out. Cause I just like, I, I want to see as many like traditional films as I can. And so I usually try to prioritize those, but at some point I think it would be fun to, to check that out and see what they have there. I know you've, yeah. you know, had more VR experience than, than I have. So, so it might be something that you would be interested to check out. There's
0: some genuinely cool shit in VR that I hope to someday see somebody really utilize. Like, I, I think I maybe I'm on record somewhere saying that I would love to see Scorsese make a VR short or something like that, because oh, there are it basically... It's kind of the
1: dream, I like think. Like Goodfellas uh, made from the POV of Ray Liotta?
0: <laughs> I don't know about maybe like that. That'd be kind of cool. It's, it's something that I think is really interesting, which VR does when it comes to um, video media, where you can force um, the viewer, the audience member to be the cinematographer for their own experience. And you can let them play that again and again. Like there's a, a, I think it's an Academy. It's not an Academy Award, but some kind of like award-winning short in VR called Henry. It's like a Pixar thing about a porcupine who wants friends. All of the friends always, if he wants to hug them, obviously they get spikes in them and shit. Ah. And so you kind of just get to hang out in his house while characters come in and out and have this experience of like trying to, make him fit into the community and you get to pick where you are. You can watch from the kitchen or like be in his dining room or like other things like that. It's not and a he, POV
1: thing. You're just like a roaming camera. You're
0: roaming camera. And it's, it's not from him. It's literally, you, it's like being on the stage in the stage when everything's happening. And there've been some experiments around movies that people have made where they make you the POV or they make you part of this ride to be part of it. And, um, I just feel like there's so much more in that space we can do that, Right now, it's still just in such a novelty phase, and nobody has the vision to really step up and do something. Um, I think one of the other fascinating—this is getting, again, into a tangent of shorts, but uh, there's a VR short about um, like a lonely astronaut on a moon. And you just get the moon in front of you. Like the entire time you can just like look around it and watch where the characters are going and you follow them. And either you can choose to stay static and see them come back or you can actually try to trail what the action is happening. And it makes Hmm. you think a lot more about the spatial awareness of how to make those shots line up. And those animations are so – nuance that you can miss them. If you don't go to the location that they're in, it's, it's fascinating.
1: That sounds like a cool way to kind of develop your own cinematic style. Like if you want to shoot a movie to go into an environment like that and move around, like what is the right angle to shoot this scene to get the, to emphasize the drama that's happening right now, what's the best place to put the camera?
0: Yeah. I would love to see more things like that become consumer available because they use that for professional stuff. Now, like that's how Steven Spielberg shot Ready Player One. He just put a VR headset on and did a bunch of this shit, and it still didn't come out well. But whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, and so but you, you can get like that, that movie
1: premiered at South by Southwest several years yeah. ago. Yeah. I did not go to see that, uh, but I saw it in theaters a couple of weeks later, and goddamn, it sucked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everything but the shining sequence was like blech. the shining sequence was kind of fun. Yes,
1: but I just still, watched the shining. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, yeah. At that
0: point, just do whatever you're going to do there. Um. But that's why I say somebody like, you know, a Scorsese who really understands, like when we watched Hugo in 3D and you understood Mm. that Scorsese knew what the depth was for. He knew how to use three-dimensional depth that's the same kind of thing. It I wasn't want.
1: just people reaching at you.
0: Yeah. It's not somebody, you know, like, Oh, there's a poker coming right at your face or <laughs> whatever the fuck. Uh, yeah. It's like,
1: you're looking down a well and you can see all the way down and how far it goes. Yeah. yeah.
0: It would be great to have, you know, cause VR can also simulate sensations if you are in it. Like you can get sickness or nausea if you're, you know, not doing something right, but you can sure. also get the intense exhilaration of falling very easily. And there are oh, other sensations that can happen because your brain's like, I'm just, Seeing it, So it's like, all right, when is this going to take off? I want this to be more than just, you know, Zuckerberg is this gross melted model (laughs) at an (laughs) office kind of thing. (laughs) Um, yeah, maybe at some point, you know, that'll expand in South by and it'll become even more engaging and engrossing. And yeah. And
1: I haven't seen any of the VR, AR, XR stuff at at South by. So, Mm. uh, maybe, maybe if you go with me next year, we can, we can check some of it out.
0: Yeah, that'd be great um, what else we got lined up?
1: Cool. Uh, so the only other section, I didn't see anything in this section is going to shock you, John, but I did not see anything in the TV section of of the festival. I can't believe you. I know. (laughs) Um, a lot of, a lot of time was taken up at the Paramount from TV pilots. And I got kind of frustrated with that. I was like, Oh man, like there's all these great movies here that I would love to see at the Paramount. But like, I, I feel like seeing a TV pilot at a festival is just a very unsatisfying experience. You know, it's like okay, like maybe that'll get me excited to watch this TV show that comes out three months from now, but like, it just feels weird to just experience the first installment of a multi-episodic show and to not really be able to engage with it beyond that. So I've never really understood the concept of, of TV festivals and, and wanting to go see that stuff. Um, but it, yeah, I, I don't know. There's, a lot of the stuff is is you know big money tv shows that are already going to get put out on major streaming services that don't need to be at the festival that south by seems to do that to like gin up notoriety and it it kind of annoys me yeah um but there are also there's a um, a uh, independent tv pilot section of the festival where you know you can go see programs of just like a bunch of independent TV pilots that haven't been picked up yet that are mm. there to try to get attention. And that sounds kind of cool to me, but also I'm like, oh you could just watch a bunch of TV pilots that never turn into anything and that sim- sounds very unsatisfying where you're just watching like premises for things where you don't get to see things play out so um i'm I'm not a big tv person i I like movies much better than tv so i'm going to gravitate more toward that naturally but the concept of tv at festivals has always seemed weird to me and i've always avoided it so there was one though um that i i definitely want to watch but like i know it's going to come out i think it's on showtime so i'm gonna have to fucking buy that but, um, Boots Riley has a new TV show Oh
0: hell yes. coming
1: out about a 13 <laughs> foot tall black man who is like protected and kept in his house because his family is like, what's going to happen if we let this guy out into the world, all hell's going to break loose. Yeah. And, uh, so, I mean, it's fucking Boots Riley. Like I, I we both love, sorry to bother you. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to see that whenever it comes out, but it was like, I don't want to just go see the pilot there because like, I know I'm going to watch that when it comes out yep. and I want to use this time to see movies that I otherwise may not be able to see. So,
0: yeah, I, I feel like I'd gravitate a lot more similar to how you already expressed toward, uh, um, seeing TV pilots that may never be. That's something that mm-hmm. I've actually witnessed on TV at one point. Like I didn't realize a long time ago when I was watching adult swim, I was watching pilots for shows. Oh yeah. Because, they used to
1: do that more often where they would actually yeah. put pilots on TV and see how they, what ratings they would get before they would decide whether to pick them up or not
0: yeah and now it seems like it's a lot harder for them to gauge what that's going to be with like youtube and then all of the split of streaming services it's like this i guess is their new attempt at hey how much interest can we really garner for something and if it's big enough they're like sure yeah. but if it's these other you know hey i'm gonna pick this up um i remember there was an adaptation of a uh a comic series that was like really scathing satire of nerd culture um, called welcome to Eltingville. And it had uh, a a few folks in it. I can't remember the voice actors names, but it was great. Like the it's 20 minutes, the adult swim, I think still has the pilot episode available somewhere. Um, Hmm. And it's hilarious. I thought it was really great. It touched on how like a lot of nerd culture is about gatekeeping. There's a lot of toxicity in it. It's one of those things that like, right around the heat of like star Wars episode one and those things breaching was just taking down, uh, so much of that like pious nerd culture. Um, Mm. and then it never got, it never got enough traction for it. And it was based on uh, a really popular series that did the exact same thing. So I was like, wow, the animation was great for it too. So I've always wanted to see more of those. And I don't know, for me, I feel like there's a certain sweetness and, Having seen it and then being sad, but knowing that there was a cool creative force behind it, it at least launches me into following somebody else's career for those kinds of pilots, like in the indie section. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I want to watch what this person would make elsewhere. I want to know about that. No, um, definitely. So that's kind of like how I would, uh, I guess, next year when I end up going to South by Southwest, because you really continue to sell me on this, uh, the, the, <laughs> I, I would probably check that out and see what. What if anything, there's something cool there. Um obviously I'm not gonna go see like, you know, crime procedurals or shit if they're in pilot. I don't give a fuck about that. You're right. But <laughs> and you're not gonna see that kind of stuff. Like yeah, it's I don't not think gonna so. be a fucking CBS show about <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: cops and lawyers and stuff, but you know, it's like there'll be stuff there that like HBO has already bought, right. That's going to be online in a matter of months. Yeah. And it's like, wh- what am I doing? I, I highly
0: know. doubt that a show with Elizabeth Olsen and Jesse Plemons is not going to get yes, picked up. And, exactly. You know, <laughs> uh,
1: I almost accidentally went to that because oh. I thought I was going, I was trying to go to something at Stateside and I accidentally walked up to the Paramount line because they're next door to each other. Uh-huh. And then I checked in the line and said, yeah, you're here for love and death. And I was like, wait, are they showing the Woody Allen movie? What's yeah. going on? <laughs> uh, that movie is hilarious if you haven't seen that. But, um, uh, and so I almost walked into that by accident. I, it's like, I love Jesse Plemons. It'll probably be a good show. Like Elizabeth Olsen is great. It'll probably be good, but I don't want to waste my time at the festival going to see that. So yeah, I gotcha. But that's cool. And that boots Rally show, by the way, is called I'm a Virgo. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to see what that turns into. Um, it's set in Oakland, like it's, it's very Boots Riley. So I'm, I'm excited about it.
0: Nice. Uh, I can't wait to check that out. Um, um, but
1: that's, that's all the categories at the festival. So, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a huge variety of stuff, 110 features, 67 short films. Like there's so much stuff to see They're Like just the, the quantity of, of things is, is incredible. And like I talked about in, in our first discussion, kind of, I, I tend to go for quantity over quality that, uh, it's like I, I tend to go for quantity because you don't know what the quality is going to be, right? Mm-hmm. And like there's just so much good stuff. You never know. You walk into some random movie and maybe it wasn't something that caught your eye off the plot description and then it just blows you away. And so you, you just don't really know and there's, there's so much to see and there are very few things that are bad. Um, at, at South By, the, the quality is, is very good. And, and so I, I think it's definitely worth, you know, if you're in town or if, if this sounds interesting to you, um, it's definitely worth checking out, and just just going to random shit and and seeing different things.
0: Yeah, this is the fun part uh, for me of like film is that exploration, that getting to know um, something before anybody else really tells you how to feel about it, and that way, like. It- I find that when I look at Rotten Tomato scores for things kind of puts a sour taste in my mouth for even going into the movie. I have to wait until I yeah. cool down from that. And then I can <laughs> be like, OK, fine, I'll go in now. And now that I've kind of I know I'm I'm distanced from that a bit. I just don't want any influence in my <laughs> experience here. But if like, I have a friend who recommends it to me or tells me, you know, at extent, like, here's some things I think you'd like about it. Here's the kind of aspects that I liked about it. I'm way more favorable toward like, yeah, let's do that. I want to go see that. Um, so it sounds fascinating. I'm really curious because again, I have no experience with, with any film festivals at all. How does South by stack up to other film festivals? What, what is it different about it?
1: Yeah. So, um, I have been to kind of all the, most of the major festivals in town here in Austin, I've not been to Sundance, which is, you know, kind of the premier American festival. I've not been to Telluride, which is probably kind of the second festival. But South South by is definitely a big festival where a lot of big stuff premieres. Um, I'd love to go to Toronto someday. I've heard really cool things about the Toronto Film Festival. And like they show a lot of stuff from Venice and Cannes, too. So you can see a lot of different shit there. So Mm -hmm. I'd love to do that one day. But um, as far as South by goes, um, you know, as far as the local festivals here, we have... South by Austin Film Festival, um, Doc Days, which is kind of an under-the-radar documentary film festival at Austin Film Society, and then uh, Fantastic Fest is is kind of the other one. And so I've never been to Fantastic Fest. It's crazy expensive, and it's just kind of like movies that I am not necessarily going to gravitate toward, it seems like. I haven't been, but it takes place a hundred percent at Austin films or, or I'm sorry, at a uh, Alma draft House South Lamar, they just shut down the theater for like a week plus and only show movies at that festival. But it's like a thousand dollars to go to the fucking festival. And it's like, there's only one level of entrance. And I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not spending a thousand dollars to go wow. see, a bunch of genre films. It's like, it's all genres. So it's, you know, sci-fi horror, that, that kind of thing. And I'm sure there's stuff that is cool. Like color out of space premiered there. Mm -hmm. And, um, I saw, I saw Tammy and the T-Rex there actually, (laughs) like shortly after it was restored, they did a screening there. Um, but I just bought a single ticket to it and like happened to be able to get in that's the only screening I've ever been to at Fantastic Fest. So I don't have a lot to comment there, but it's not affordable to go to as a local. If you're in the industry and you're in those genres, like I'm sure it's cool, but I've never gone. So the festivals that I go to a lot are South by Austin film festival and doc days. And so South by is in March every year around spring break. Austin film festival is in late October and doc days is usually May or June. They didn't have it last year, which I was very disappointed by. And I'm hoping they're going to bring it back. Um, but one of one of my favorite... I mean, I like all, the fe- all those three festivals, but they all have different aesthetics. You know, South By, I mentioned, kind of almost every movie you see is going to be good. Um, and, you know, sometimes you may be really blown away, but that's going to be rarer that a movie is going to be like, oh, wow, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. But that does happen at South By. Um, again, Forsama is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen, best documentary I've ever seen. Um, but... You know, the the quality generally is is pretty good. Austin Film Festival is really interesting because you have two types of films that show there. The first type are films that have premiered at really big festivals internationally. Cannes, Venice, Toronto, Telluride, different places like that that are getting runs at Austin Film Festival to kind of bring notoriety to the festival and to get critics Mm. to come out, get press, things like that. And then you have films that are premiering at Austin film festival that are like the obscure of the obscure. Um, and a lot of those movies are not good, but some of them are incredible and you will never see them again. I guarantee it. And so I try to mix up my, my plan when I go to Austin film festival, I try to see some of those bigger ones. Like I saw worst person in the world there and that didn't come out in theaters till like February of the next year. So that was really cool that I got to see that, Mm. you know, Four or five months before it came out to the general public and those type of movies are really fun to see there It's also less crowded than South by Southwest So if you're just a film lover you like seeing stuff you can buy a film pass for $75 and go to all the movies And you don't get into any of the panels and shit, but you can go to all the movies They all have Q&A's and stuff and it's pretty cool. The Whale was the opening film there this past year I got to see a Q&A with Aronofsky and the, and the screen screenwriter there so there, there's a lot of stuff that like that kind of stuff is typically on average, I would say better than what shows at South by because you're seeing stuff that has gotten a lot of notoriety at other festivals that has already gotten distribution. It's shooting for awards later in the year. Um, some of that stuff is ap- absolutely great. Other stuff that's premiering at Austin Film Festival, some of it is, is pretty bad, pretty rough to, to sit through. Um, but you just don't really know what you're going to get. I've seen some movies that are absolutely God awful at Austin film festival, but I've seen random ones that absolutely blew me away. There's a documentary that I saw there a few years ago called a girl named C and I've been seeking it since then. It was like the 2018 Austin film festival and I've not been able to find it anywhere since then. And I decided to go see that instead of green book. And I'm very glad that I did.
0: (laughs) But you'll never know the Joy of Green Book. Oh, I saw Green Book later. (laughs) Okay, Uh, okay. Did not like it.
1: But uh, A Girl Named C was this fascinating documentary about this girl who had been sexually abused as a young child. And as a teenager was beginning to relive those moments. And was going through therapy and Mm. started to remember these horrible things that she had experienced. And she had suppressed those memories. But at the time when she was a young girl, she had drawn out a lot of the things that she had experienced. And the documentary is told by animating the drawings that she made as a young girl. And like one of the coolest storytelling methods that I've ever seen. I fucking loved it. I saw it at like a church downtown that like Austin Film Festival, the venues are sometimes a little bit smaller. They're at the Paramount also which is great. Fucking love that theater. But then the other venues tend to be a little bit smaller. Like, you know, the St. David's Episcopal church on seventh street, just like, you know, they cut off a room there and you watch movies there. And some of them are about things that the church would definitely not be happy is showing Mm -hmm. there. But, (laughs) um, like there's stuff like that that I'm like, Oh my God, I love that. I can't wait to see that again. And I, you're never able to see it again. And it's kind of a beautiful experience in that it's there and it's gone. And I can, never find that again and it was so good. It's also kind of frustrating at the same time, you know, that I I can't get back to it. Um there's another other movie that I saw there, I think in 2017, um, that I I fucking loved that i I was just like it was like a South African film about childhood that was just incredible. Uh like about these kids who were building a spaceship to go to the moon. And it was so good and it's just it's gone. I don't know where it is, where it's ever gonna be. Um, So it's a different type of experience there where like, if you go to some of these big movies that are going for awards, it could be really great. It could be green book, but you know, it's, it's in those, that type of spectrum of things from Mm -hmm. the worst person in the world to, to green book of the like awards movies. Um, But then you have the stuff that's, you know, very obscure that it's probably never going anywhere, but it's just so, it's so fun to me to just have that experience to go see all these things. And I know going in, like I'm probably not going to like most of these But the ones that I do are going to like stick with me for a long time because it's going to annoy me that I can't watch them again. (laughs) And it's going to have because of that, it's going to have an outsized experience on me for that one viewing Mm -hmm. that I know I can't get afterward.
0: Yeah that's fascinating to, to think on. I feel like we have, we get, we get two different things out of film festivals here because the more you talk about movies that are obscure or movies that are bad and obscure, you probably uh-huh. already know that I would love to watch whatever those are. Yeah. Cause I basically at this point I'll admit it. I'm basically a filmmaker who's never made a film where I'm just <laughs> way more fascinated at watching other filmmakers try and fail and seeing like what they could do. Cause I'm like waiting to make my move. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, that that's definitely like, I've, feel like there's a lot of overlap in what we would go see and then there's these other extra like on the the kind of outskirts here where we would have discussions that were kind of fascinating where we're trying to tell each other in like different languages even like <laughs> what this is or what this film might be. Yeah yeah um and that's fucking fascinating to me. So I'm 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 excited now to go to a film festival to actually get that happening this year. Uh it's already like we're already way past the New Year's resolution point, but that's my fucking New Year's resolution is that I can actually get into the swing of film All festivals. Right. Uh so yeah, I'm I'm excited.
1: Yeah. Uh you should come to me, come with me to Austin Film Festival. Um it's always like it's a weird time because it's always at the end of October and it always straddles into November. And like as a professional accountant, I can very rarely take off during a like the changeover to a new month. Yeah. And so I usually can't actually take off and fully experience it. I have before taking off work during South by just gone to like 30 movies. And that's a really fun experience. Um, I've never been able to do that for Austin film festival. I would like to do that at some point, but as long as I'm in this profession, it's hard for me to be able to do that. But usually it's like, it's $75 for a film pass. It's such a good deal. And you know, you go see five movies and it's paid for itself. Um, and so I'm usually going to see two movies every night after work and like during the weekends, I'm just all day at the theaters. So, um, Yeah, it's super fun. Um, The the other uh, festival that I really like in town is called Doc Days. Again, it didn't happen last year. I really hope that it does happen in the future, but I don't know if AFS will keep doing it. But Mm. it's a documentary film festival that takes place at Austin Film Society. And it's typically like a four-day thing, like Thursday through Sunday. And it doesn't uh, overlap with you know traditional working hours. It's like a Thursday Thursdays. There's usually one premiere film at night, and then there's maybe two films Friday night, and then all day Saturday and all day Sunday. And there's only one screening for each one, and uh, they don't overlap at all. And so it's very relaxed, and it yeah. all takes place at the same location. So uh, Austin Film Festival and South by are frantic. Like you're running around town, yep. going to all these different screenings. And there's a fun energy about that, but it gets exhausting doing all that. And Doc Days is so relaxed; like you just hang out at the same place in North Austin, outside of the hustle and bustle of downtown, and you just see all these cool movies. And you know, Austin Film Society sends their their people out to all these different festivals around the country. Um, I saw one of the programmers at a, a South by screening oh. this week. So, you know, they, they're out seeing stuff everywhere and they bring back the best documentaries that they saw two doc days. And it's usually, you know, seven to 10 movies that they show. They all have Q and A's sometimes via zoom call with, if, you know, it's a foreign film and the director couldn't get over there, Yeah, but it's really cool. And there's always enough space. You know, there's 30 to 45 minutes between screenings. You can like duck out and get some food and come back and, you know, if you need to, but, um, it's a lot of fun. It just has such a different vibe. And if you buy a pass to the festival, you get a guaranteed seat to every movie. So you can buy individual tickets. But if you have a pass, like you're for sure getting into every screening, there's no rush to get in line or, or any of that stuff. So
0: yeah, nice. Oh, man. Um, well, yeah, I, am curious to hear out there if we have any listeners that have their own film festivals they would recommend or their own approach and strategies to how they get into their film festivals, those kinds of things that's, it's always fascinating to swap notes and try to. Uh, get into the the headset of like, hey, what's this perspective? How are we going to go and see these movies? What do we do? Do you, do you all out there try to index on quality over quantity? Do you dare?
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's what? hard to tell what the quality is going to be. You yeah, know? Like, exactly. You might as well see more things.
0: I want to know what the heuristics are for trying to yeah. assess that it's quality over quantity. Um,
1: yeah, and if anybody has has other opinions about the local festivals, would love to hear them. If anybody has been to Fantastic Fest and has thoughts on that yes. and thinks I should drop a grand to go check it out, let me know. Um, I probably won't do that, but I'm, I'm interested to hear cause I just don't have firsthand experience to fantastic fest. But, um, you know, I, I, if, if you have been to other, other festivals around the world would be super, uh, interested to hear those things. I know, uh, one, one of our uh, listeners, um, you know, is in Toronto and has been to Cannes. So it'd be it'd be interesting to hear from Matthew to see his uh, hear his thoughts on on those festivals.
0: Yeah, hey, maybe even bring him on at some point and give him a little uh, yeah, inquiry definitely. about that. If he gets into another another film festival soon, that would be great, Matthew. If you're out there listening, we'd love to have you as a guest at some point. Uh, get in touch with us; it'd be awesome. But yeah. Um, well, I feel like we've exhausted uh, the South by Southwest conversation. It sounds like it's been an exhausting film festival to attend, uh, especially yeah. with certain <laughs> banks failing. <Yeah>. Uh,
1: <laughs> uh, I didn't get to see as many movies as I wanted. I saw a lot of movies, but I didn't get to see quite as many as I wanted to because over the weekend I was on the phone with bankers and like submitting claims to the FDIC. So that Whew. was just, that was not fun. But yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> sorry. Sorry. To you. Sorry. You had to go through that buddy, uh, <laughs> but I'm glad you still got to go to yeah. Southwest.
1: I didn't sleep very much in the last week. I was just, I was, I was working where I was at movies, but yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it was, it was fun. I, uh, I I had a lot of fun at at South by so. Awesome.
0: Well, um, yeah. Is there anything you want to close out with? You'd want to say to the listeners about film festivals, any kind of words of encouragement for folks that are curious about it? Or do you feel like we've said all there is to say?
1: Uh, I would just say like, if you live in a place that has a local film festival, just go check it out. You know, um, I've never been disappointed going to a film festival, um, you know, I would imagine if you live someplace that has a festival, if you're a local, it's probably fairly reasonable to go there as a local, like they're not probably going to charge you an arm and a leg. Maybe they are, if it's fantastic fest, maybe you don't do that. But for the most part, you know, you're probably going to be able to go at a reasonable price and see some stuff that, you know, you wouldn't otherwise get a chance to see. And I, I would just say be open minded about it. You know, like South by the, the floor is pretty high. Most of the films are pretty good. Austin Films Festival, the floor is pretty low, but I still really enjoy getting those experiences. And I think, you know, if you're, if you live in Toronto, like, yeah, go to TIFF. That sounds fucking cool. But like, you know, um, like I have a friend who lives in like rural Arkansas and he's like, oh, we have a film festival here. You should come check it out. It's like, oh, I would love to come yeah. visit you and go check out that film festival. That sounds cool. I would imagine the quality of those films are not great. But um, you know, it, like if you if you live in a place that has a festival, I, I would think it would be worth checking out at least once and just see what the vibe is. See if you like it. You're probably going to see some cool stuff that you otherwise would never have heard of.
0: Yeah. One of my friends uh, from a previous company, one of my coworkers and friends had uh, recommended that I watch this movie. Well, she found out that I really like watching genre films and watching schlock and those kinds (laughs) of things. She was like, hey, my cousin was actually in this movie that won the Corpus Christi Horror Film Festival or whatever. So I watched it and it wasn't great, uh, but it had some really interesting moments to it and some funny things. And um the only regret I have about watching it is that I didn't get to go to that local film festival cuz it's a moment to engage with you're not going to the the likelihood of you meeting, you know, James Gunn or Christopher Nolan or Scorsese and getting to pick their brain on something is very low. Yeah. <laughs> but in your local community, there are filmmakers who are scrapping and trying to bring their vision to life. And it's beautiful to see that kind of creative effort being put into something. And even you asking the question of what were you, what were you trying to do with this one scene? Like, obviously try to phrase it in a nice enough way, (laughs) but just asking that question helps them get better in understanding how to communicate with their audience. And it also engages you into that part of the community. It makes you feel like you're a part of something that's helping build. Um, that's what criticism is for it's supposed to not necessarily tear something down but help build up better in the future uh so yeah, yeah i would say yeah definitely hit up your local film festivals they've got to have something there and some people you can connect with and hey maybe you'll end up being an extra in some other movie and maybe you'll <laughs> find out you like something about filmmaking that you didn't know you liked um or film watching you didn't
1: know you liked uh
0: but yeah that's that's yeah. great advice dixon so
1: and there's like at, at austin film festival a few years ago um you know, one of the movies that premiered there that was like, you know, uh, oh, it's one of the ones that's premiering. You don't necessarily know if it's going to be that great. It was a Jason Manzoukas movie called The Long Dumb Road that mm-hmm. I loved. It was a comedy. Like Jason Manzoukas was the lead and he actually got to be like a fully fledged character. Oh. And, you know, in, in the most, for the most part, I love Jason Manzoukas. He's playing side characters that are out of their minds, you know, yep. going crazy. And he's so good at that. But in this, he gets to be the lead and actually go through a whole character arc. And I went to that screening and I like got up and asked him a question and he answered it. And I'm like, Oh, that was really cool. Um, and like, I, uh, like, a, I met a film critic there and he like, after we came up to him, he's like, dude, that was a good question. You asked the best question of anybody <laughs> yeah. there. It's was like, Oh, that's cool. Thanks man. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's cool. Like sometimes you get experiences where you like, you know, get to ask people questions that you admire and, and see you know what what they think about their movies.
0: It also helps them feel appreciated and like that you there's visibility and recognition like when we went to, even with uh, Disturbance of the Forest which was a documentary we're both kind mm-hmm. of like oh you know B minus on um, the, the filmmaker you know director and the composer stood up there and at one point um, nobody asked questions to the composer and I got a little frustrated with that because everybody was curious more about the interviews and like why haven't you talked to fans and that stuff. Yeah. And I was just like hey that score had really good notes. And it's not just John Williams. Um, what did you use? How did you, what was your process? And that dude's face lit up. And I was just like, I yeah. did, it. I asked the right <laughs> question. I was genuinely curious about it. It was great to hear the answer. So yeah, you could be the person out there that really just makes somebody's day and validates their, you know, whole strife and every effort they put into this film. Um, it, who knows, but yeah, uh, that's, that's the reason we go. And right. I'm, that's the reason I'm going to go now. I, I want to. So, Awesome. Well, Dixon, thank you so much for the time, man, and and walking me through all of the questions I had about South by Southwest and sharing all your picks. Um, it's been great to hear that you got to have a good time. You enjoyed yourself. You uh, got to see a bunch of things. Um, you, you weren't just stuck on the phone with banks all the time. <laughs> uh, now hopefully you can rest, <laughs> but, um, yeah. I finally
1: got some sleep last night it was, was the first night that I've like actually just like been able to, like, not set an alarm and just, like, sleep for a long period oh, of time, and that's nice. I, I feel much better today, so that's
0: good. I'm glad to hear it, buddy. Um, <laughs> that does it here for us at Afterthoughts. I've been your host, John, and uh, with me, the esteemed guest, my co-host, and the film festival fanatic, Michael Dixon.
1: Yeah, uh, thanks, John. It was a lot of fun. I I, I love talking about local festivals, and uh, so one of these days, I'm going to get you get you out to a festival. I maybe,
0: promise so. you, buddy. We're going. I'm. I, I got Now I'm going to put it on my calendar. As, I'm going to go uh, look it up.
1: As Ron Burgundy would say. I don't believe you (laughs) as I light my (laughs) (laughs) cigarette.
0: Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TheAfterPod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.